How many of you are waiting for Jesus to come back? Man, I am. I don't know about you. I, I just I want him to come back. And it's, it's a major theme of this book. Uh, well, both books, really, First and Second Thessalonians, uh, that Jesus is coming back. And they had some misconceptions, some, some um, confusion about what was going to happen. And so Paul wrote a lot of things to clear a lot of things up. But one of the things that seemed to be happening, it doesn't specifically say this, but when you look at the whole context, it seems to be that, that some of the people were just, uh, because they were waiting, they said, well, you know, he's going to come back at any moment, so I, I, I'm just going to quit my job. I'm going to sell everything I have. I'm just going to sit here and wait. And then you had other people who said, you know what, um, yeah, I'm excited for him to come back too, but you know, I know I need to keep working, and I, I need to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. And so then you had the people who stopped working and said, well, you know, we're kind of short on food this week, and so they were trying to get the help from the people who continued to work. Created a little bit of a problem. Paul talks about it in this particular passage. Some were just kind of sitting around. They were just what we call slackers. You all know what a slacker is? Just lazy. Any of you ever feel lazy? Any of you are lazy? You know, we're, we're all humans, right? And we, we kind of all know about this stuff, but, but they were just bunking. I didn't know what that term was until I moved uh, to the East. We don't call it that in the West Coast. We call it ditching. Just ditching out. And, you know, bunking, just, just living our lives for, for no purpose, no reason. And... Really what comes out of this passage today is that the Lord wants us to keep in step. And that's kind of what he, he, that's what he kind of hits at with these people here. They were out of step with what God was calling them to do. Yes, it's wonderful. It's exciting to, to call and wait for the Lord to return. But in the meanwhile, he says we need to, to stay in step with his teaching, with the word of God, and to stay busy. Stay busy. Let's turn 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You might have already turned there because you saw it on the screen already. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 through 15. Big passage we're going to look at today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. And such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet, do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we do pray that you would open our hearts to hear. 
what your Holy Spirit has to say to each one of us each and every day, but especially now as we, as we want to follow you to the best of our ability. Lord, you know our frame. You know we're just weak human beings, and we are lazy sometimes, and we do slack and bunk sometimes, but, but Father, we pray you'd give us the strength to do and to be what you've called us to do and to be. In Jesus' name. He starts off there with a pretty strong language, doesn't he? He says in, the, in verse 6, he says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you to keep away, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle. It's authoritative. The Word of God, you know, we see this. And Paul, I think, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was speaking very clearly to those people with specific, a specific situation. Now, that doesn't mean that every situation he was speaking to is always going to speak to my situation, but I find that the Lord knows what he's doing, and he will use different situations to to reach our hearts right when we need them. And, you know, maybe maybe everybody in this room right now, you're just working hard and you're staying busy, but but we can study this and we can can know about it, and he kind of has a word for you as well later in this section. But let's just see what he has to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, you. First of all, he says, how to deal with other people that are not doing what they're supposed to do. So maybe you are doing what you're supposed to do, but you still have to live with, you still have to deal with other people who maybe are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You ever get frustrated with other people and you say, you know, gosh, I'm working so hard. In the Sunday school? No. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, Justin's gone, so I can say whatever I want to say. I am working so hard uh, here, and, and, you know, the other people, they're not doing everything. You think of Mary and Martha, right? Martha was like that, and she said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm breaking my back trying to get ready for Jesus to come here, and Mary, she's just sitting at Jesus' feet and, and listening to what he has to say. Well, you know what Jesus said, you know, she needs to stay at my feet, and and you probably need to come and sit at my feet too. So there's a place for that when we need to put everything aside, and we say, you know what, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen, and put some of the activity aside. There's times for that, right? We need to do that. That's good. That's not a bad thing. But when we get frustrated like that, we say and do things sometimes that we shouldn't say and do, and I think Martha was in that camp. She didn't really understand what was going on. And we don't always know what's going on in the other person's life and heart either. Say, well, they're not doing nothing. Well, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know what's going on in their life. They're not working. They're not, they don't have a job. You don't know what's going on in their life. So we need to be sensitive. And he finishes that passage, that section like that. You know, you need to be careful, be sensitive, be gentle. Regard them as a brother, not as an enemy. But we still need to look. We still need to think. He doesn't say for us to turn our brains off and not do anything, not, not um, you know, see what's going on. So what does he say here? He says to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching received from us. Doesn't live, in, in other words, according to the Scripture, according to the Bible. Again, Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is what we now have as our Scripture. But he says, you know, every brother who is idle. And I had, to look that, I had to look at that word because different translations translate it differently. Some say disorderly. Some say unruly. 
But really what it, what it means, it's like a military term, and what it means is to, to be out of rank, to be out of step with, with the direction that the unit is marching in. And so, you, you know, you could see how it could have these different meanings because, you know, you're, you're disorderly, you're, you're, out of, you're out of touch, you're out of step with what's going on, with what God is calling you to do. You're out of step. You're out of rank, and when we get out of rank, you can say, you know, the guys that are marching, they look over and say, you know, that guy's lazy. What's wrong with him? Why is he out there by himself? He says, to keep away from every brother who's idle, who's unruly. In other words, for you and I, we're not to live like that. We're not to be that way, and we're not to closely associate with those that are like that. Say, well, this is getting a little bit scary for me. You know, how do we treat other people? Well, he, he explains it pretty clearly that we're not to, like, let people just continue to live out of step. We're not just to, to go on and not, you know, if someone is, is off doing something they should not be doing for us to just turn, you know, turn away and say, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, Paul says it does matter. It does matter. And we are accountable to each other. And we are our brother's keepers to keep an eye on one another. And if you see me going off in some weird direction, well, it's upon you to say something to me. We have to be able to minister to each other and call each other out. I heard that before somewhere this morning. To people who are out out of step, and you know what? It, it's every one of us that, that we're not living the life. We're out of step. We're not living the life that God has called us to live. You say, well, that's the other person over there I'm, you know, that he's talking about. You know what? Every one of us. And the scripture says, you know, be careful that you don't, you know, get proud, that you don't get to a place where you think you're never going to be that person. You're never going to fall in that direction. No. Every one of us is we're one step away. We're one step away from getting out of the, step, out of the ranks and, and getting over there. That's where humility comes in, isn't it? Where we humbly speak to one another, where we humbly address these kinds of things that when we're not living the life, when we're out of step with God's Word. I want you to turn back with me to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, 16, 17. And he says a similar kind of thing, but it, it kind of, again, keeps, um, keeps before us what Paul is trying to say here. Verse 17, he says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. If there's somebody who's causing division in the church, there's somebody who's, who's bringing up things and, and causing people to, to, to stumble and to go a certain direction, he says, keep away from them. You might have to have some distance. You might have to say, listen, we can't just hang out like we used to do if you're going to keep going that direction. Why? For my own benefit and for their benefit. Does that make sense? For my benefit, so that I don't stumble, so that I don't go off in the wrong direction. For their benefit, so they realize that, hey, 
Why is he saying this to me? Maybe I need to look at my own life and think about how I'm living. Maybe I'm not really living the life. Maybe I am just, you know, I've got, you know, I've got uh, this profession that I make. But yet my life is like completely in the world. My life is completely consumed with the world and, and living for the flesh. Shouldn't be, right? Shouldn't be because of all that Jesus has done for us. He says, watch out. Watch out for those who cause division. Put obstacles in the path. He says to avoid close fellowship with those who profess to be following Jesus. Why is that? Because in a, in a sense, you know, to use this modern term, we, we enable people, don't we? You know, they're living like the devil. They're living like the world. And again, I say that carefully because it could be me. It could be you. It could be every one of us. And for us not to, to be like, you know, them over there, but every one of us. But when we're, we're living like that and we, and we just, uh, you know, jump right in on every, in, in, in every conversation and hang out together, we're, we're in a sense, we're, you know, we're enabling them to continue on. Now, it doesn't mean we go around like the spiritual police, you know, focusing on everybody and we're trying to find something that I can separate from you over. I'm talking about obvious stuff, right? Someone who is, you know, uh, you know living immorally. Somebody who is, you know, just uh, cheating people openly. Now, if there's something that's hidden, you don't know about that, and you know, you're not responsible, I'm not responsible, but something that is open and obvious that we have to say, wait a minute, I can't go with you on that path, man. I can't. Why? Because it's not good for you and it's not good for me. And if I continue on this path with you, I'm just telling you it's okay. I'm giving my approval to that. Now, that doesn't mean, and he says it in the last verse, it doesn't mean we, we call them enemies, you're the enemy. No, he says, you're my brother. You're family to me, and this really is, this means a lot to me. Not an easy thing to do sometimes, though, is it? Paul says in verse 7, back in 2 Thessalonians 3, he begins to speak about his example in verses 7 through 9. He says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. He talks about his example there. He says, you know, we did our best to live. As a good example, why is that? Because people are watching. What kind of example are we setting for those people around us? That we, when we say one thing, oh, I'm following after Jesus and I'm so busy for him, and yet we're not doing nothing. I'm following after Jesus and, and, and yet he's providing for me and we're not even trying to work. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 11 on the screen, follow my example. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? 
to tell someone else, follow my example, follow me as I follow Jesus. But Paul was able to say that, and I think every one of us needs to realize that, you know, people are reading our lives. They're reading us like a book. The second passage there, Peter speaking to the the leaders there in uh, the church, he says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, that especially, especially for those who are called leaders, they're held to a higher standard, a, a higher accountability because they are standing and saying, follow me. Not, not a time for them to say, listen, you, you know, they're lording it over them and, and having some kind of weird power trip. But, but rather, he says, but being examples to the flock, that I'm just trying to follow Jesus, and, I, and, I, and, and I'm trying to follow him the very best that I know how, the very best I can, and, and I hope that I'm setting a good example for you to follow Jesus. Any leader needs to realize that, first and foremost, the, their own walk and their own life before Jesus is absolutely number one. If, if, if you or I, as leaders, in any arena, if we are not following and, and, and doing what we're supposed to do, we have nothing to give. We have no example to offer. Crucial. It's important. Paul, he says here, Paul and his team, that they weren't idle. They weren't slacking. They weren't out of step. They were, they were living the life. They were doing everything they could. In fact, they were going above and beyond what they were supposed to do. Why do I say that? Because they didn't take advantage of their situation. In verse 9, it says there, we did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. They went above and beyond. They could have been supported. And that would have been okay. It's okay for the church to support its leaders. And, and you know, it says it, Paul talks it, he, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So it's okay. And he talks in other places, don't muzzle the ox that's treading out the corn sort of thing. So, there's nothing wrong with that, but Paul said, listen, in this particular case, he said, I'm, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the second mile so that I can be a good example to show you what it means to work hard, to stay busy, to stay in step with what God has called us to do. He wanted to be this model. He wanted to be this example of diligence, of living the life, of staying in step. A big calling. When we finish the book of 2 Thessalonians, we're going to begin. First, we're going to do uh, 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 Obadiah, just one chapter, though. And then we're going to go back to 1 Timothy. So we're going to look at the pastoral epistles. And, and there's a lot of lessons about leadership in there, too. But, you know, what? every one of us, whether we've got a, uh, a named role in a church, we're, we're leading in some way, shape, or form in some avenue in some respect. Paul said, I want to, you know, he took it very seriously. He said, I want to, I want to, I want to be a model. I want to do what I can to keep in step, to live the life, to set a good example. Look what he says in verse 10. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. That's pretty strong. Now, you can imagine if, if Paul was there and he was just not working, he was just, you know, kind of hanging around all day long, doing nothing. 
you know, going down to the beach, you know, having lattes all day long. You can imagine. The, and then he's going to tell them, you know, if you won't work, you won't eat. And then he says, you know, uh, you, you're going to take me out for lunch? You're going to take me out for dinner? You know what I'm saying? So, so he, he, he took very seriously the, the call that he had on his life and, and the, the example that he was going to set. And if he was going to say something, well, he better back up what he was going to say. Or, or it was going to be what? Hypocrisy, right? Isn't that how we define hypocrisy? Saying one thing and doing another? In actual fact, the word literally means being an actor, kind of putting on a show, putting on an act, and you're really not living the life at all. He says, we're not, we're not called to do that, Paul says. But he says those very strong words, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. That's pretty strong, isn't it? There's no, no room for slacking in this life. No, we're called to stay busy. We're called to work. You say, well, that's okay, but what about the people who can't work? What about the people who can't find a job? What about the people who are, you know, have some kind of a physical problem? Or they're going through some kind of issue where they're just not able to work? Well, you know what? The Bible says in that case, we need to take care of those people, right? It's kind of both sides here. There are some, and, and we have to be discerning. We don't go up to somebody and say, you know, when are you going to get a job? And we haven't got a clue that they've been looking for a job for like three years. You know, we're so insensitive sometimes. Me, not you. Right? You ever say stupid things? Try speaking in front of people every week, and then you'll find out how many stupid things you really say on a regular, consistent basis. So to be sensitive to those that can't work, what he's talking about here is people who will not work, people who are able, but they're unwilling to work. Now, I don't think there's anybody in this room that that fits, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, wanna, I don't want to pass over this idea that those that, that need help, that we are called to help them. And we need to be sensitive to that. So I want you to turn with me to the book of James, ahead uh, to the last few books of the Bible before Revelation. There's two passages, one from James and one from John. So James chapter 2, verse 15, and then we're going to look at 1 John 3. James chapter 2, verse 15. In fact, James is saying that, that if, you, if you have so much faith, well, you better be helping somebody. You better be doing something to help other people or your faith is completely useless. It's not really faith at all. It's just a joke. But look what he says. Let's start in verse 14. He said, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds, no action? Can such faith save him? Verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? What good is it? You, got, you know, I'm so faithful. I'm so spiritual. Oh, you have a need? Go get a job. I'll pray for you. 
And yet we're not being sensitive to where that person really is. And, and even, if, even if they're, you know, slacking, I think we have to be careful. Sometimes even if they're, and we know they're slacking, we might need to address the issue. But if they don't have any food, we might need to say, listen, okay, I'm going to help you out. But listen, you need to find a job. You need to get and hit the pavement. If we already, you know, have determined that they're not, right? If they're just slacking. The second passage in, in a couple books ahead, James, Peter, and 1 John. James, 1 and 2 Peter, and then 1 John in chapter 2, or excuse me, chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. Let's start in verse 16. This is how we know what love is. It's a function of love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. See, so we, we need to balance these things, you know, of, of, of John is saying here, you know, if you see that someone has a need and you and you don't even think about it, you don't even think about helping them, well, you know, there's there really not a lot of love in there. There's not a, a lot of agape happening. But Paul, you know, balancing these things out too, you know, there are times when you need to say something, when the, 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 the need has to be helped, but there also needs to be the situation addressed. We're called to help those people with real need, but there are some times when we need to say, listen, I've been helping you, but I realize, you know, through helping you over and over again that you're not doing anything to help the situation yourself. It's one thing if you see them, they're working as hard as they can. They're doing everything they can to, to try to, to get it right, and then it's just not working out. If we're able, though, and we have opportunity, we need to work, right? Take this job and love it. Somebody wrote a book like that. You know, that's in response to the song, the country western song, right? Which says something else. It's a good thing to work. You know, we all, we all say, you know, if I only don't have to work, you know, if I can just retire and never work. And, and, then, and then people, you know, they retire and then they're not busy doing anything and they go like their lives just kind of like flounder. Like, well, what's going on? Because the Lord wants us to be active. It's part of the way he's made us. You think back even before the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, right? Sin entered the world and, and things got really ugly. Things are still ugly. And work got really hard. But before that, Adam was still called to work. Did you know that? In the garden, he says, you know, the Lord said to him, I want you to work. I want you to take care of these plants, take care of the stuff in this garden. I want you to tend it. Put some effort out. And, and there was some kind of satisfaction, I believe in it. And I think even for us today, there's some kind of satisfaction when we are productive. Now, 
you know, we can, we can be complete workaholics. Maybe you're married to one. Maybe you are one. And you have gone so to the other extreme where you never sit at the feet of Jesus because you don't have time. That's too, too much. But then the other extreme of not doing anything, you know, and we miss out. Work is good for us. Doing something productive is good for us. When you finish a job and, and you, you can stand back and say, wow, that felt good. That felt, that felt good to do something. It felt good to like, accomplish something. It felt good to you know, put that na- last nail in to, to finish that project, whatever kind of project it might be. Take this job and love it. I like that. Some of you are going, man, I got a job and I'm working, but I do not love it. That doesn't mean God doesn't want you to work. Maybe you need to find another job, but, but this is the, always the wisdom in that, is that don't quit your job until you have another job. I was taught that when I was young, and then I didn't do it, and it was foolish. I said, we just got married. You know this story. I, we just got married, and I quit my job because I didn't like something about it. Foolish. Foolish. Take this job and love it. Maybe you need to be praying for your boss or whoever is making your job so miserable. Maybe, maybe you do need to change. Verse 11, he says, We hear that some among you are idle. They're not busy. They are busy bodies. I like that. See, the word gets around when people are just idlers. And not only that, but they're not busy And so they have too much time on their hands. And when you have too much time on your hands, guess what happens? You get into trouble. You become busybodies. You you, you get into other people's business. Because you don't have enough of your own business to keep you occupied, right? So you get into other people's business. We tell the the kids, you know, and, and maybe we shouldn't be teaching them this, but we tell them this phrase, you know, mind your own beeswax. Mind your own beeswax. We need to do that sometimes. Mind your own business. Stay out of, you're always worried about everybody else's business because maybe we're not minding our own business enough. We're not busy enough in our own lives. Verse 12, such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. Now, as I said earlier, maybe that's not a problem here. You know, uh, Someone wrote this, and I want you to listen carefully. He says, It seems strange to us today that Christians in Thessalonica Thessalonica were so ardently looking for the Lord's return that they abandoned their daily duties. That does not seem to be a peril to the church today. Well, that's true, and it's not true. There are people who are, are doing that. It wasn't that long ago you heard about people who sold everything, and they went up on a mountain, I think it was in Arizona or somewhere. That wasn't that long ago. Anybody remember that? And, and uh, you know, the leaders kind of made out well because usually the leaders say, this is what you need to do, and then everybody does it and gives them the money. Bad news. He says, but we have gone to the opposite extreme. We are so taken up with business and money-making that we have lost the freshness and thrill of the hope of his imminent coming. We've gotten so busy that we have not, we don't even have our eyes to the sky at all anymore because we're so busy. That's, that's probably our greater danger, isn't it? 
How many of you say, man, I'm so busy. I'm so busy, I can't. You know, I don't even know what he's talking about because I am so busy, uh, you know. I'm not even thinking about Jesus coming back because I'm so busy. Well, maybe you need to think about like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus. Verse 13, he says, And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. Despite what other people are doing or not doing, that you and I need to keep at it. Because again, we're responsible for ourselves. I'm responsible for me. Verse 14 and 15, if anyone does not obey our instruction in this, in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet, do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Don't enable, like I said, but don't be harsh either. We need to be sensitive to, to one another. We're family. We're brothers and sisters. But sometimes we need to say, listen, I'm trying to help you here, but you know what? You've got you to do some work, too. You've got you to get at it. But there's, and sometimes we need to say to people, listen, you are working so hard, I can't even talk to you. There's that balance, isn't there? That balance that we need to find. But for those that, and, and we see this throughout the Bible, those that the purpose of, of any kind of thing like this is, is restoration. The purpose is growth. You know? Well, like I mentioned, I quit that job and I had a brother come to me and, and pretty much kick me in the rear, not physically. He said, basically, you need to get up and get to work. And he had found, he had, he had told me a place to go down and apply for a job. And I was saying, you know, I don't know if I have a piece about that. I have a piece about that. He said, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind is what I'm going to do. And he kicked me in the rear, and I went down there, and guess what? I got a job. Like, oh, now I got to work. <laughs> Best thing that ever happened to me. Sitting around at home, what good is that? Growth. We all need to grow, right? We all need to grow. So let's keep in step. Let's stay busy. And in Luke chapter 19, Jesus, in one of his parables, talking you know, about using what he's given us to use. He says those words, and I love it in the King James Version. It says, occupy until I come. Literally, occupy. Stay busy until I come. He's coming, and we need to keep our eyes on that fact, but until he gets here, occupy. Stay in step. Stay in the, in the ranks and do what we're called to do. And maybe it's no... Uh, Maybe it's no coincidence that, you know, Justin, you know, gets up there today and says, listen, maybe you're supposed to get involved somehow. But it may not just be Sunday school, maybe some other area in life. You know, we have a lot of needs around here. We have a lot of needs. And we don't have a huge congregation, so that means we all kind of got, got to get in and pitch in, right? And see what we can do. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your word, and even when it's a tough sometimes but we, you do want us to grow and you want us to learn and you want us to become more mature in our faith and our walks you want us to to stay in the ranks and and march together as a unit father help us in that lord guide us down that path father we pray that you would be honored by the way that we live I know we don't always fulfill that, Lord. I know we're, we're, we are 
still sinners, and we blow it. We fail. But we need to get up and get back in the game, get back in the ranks, keep marching. Because you forgive us and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we come and confess our sin. Father, help us as a, as a unit. We're just one little unit in the giant body of Christ and help us to, to keep, keep on track and do what we're called to do. I pray for each one of us, Lord, as individuals that we would, we would heed the call. We would have that balance of, of sitting at your feet and listening to what you have to say and also staying busy and occupying. Help us, Lord. We need your help. I pray here today as well for any person, man, woman, or child who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. If that's you today, you, you, can, you, you can open your heart and life to him today and, and hear what he has to say, that he loves you, that he gave his life for you, that he was buried and rose from the dead for you, and that he wants to give you a brand new heart, a brand new life, and all you have to do is say yes to him. That's all. Open your heart and life to him today and, and simply pray and say, Lord Jesus, I am lost. I'm a sin, sinful person and I need you in my life to forgive me, to give me a new heart, to give me a new life, to take me home to heaven one day as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?